So to continue on, a truth I learned and keep learning and relearning over and over for many years was stated very succinctly by Dr. Guerrero, quote, where your concentration goes, the energy flows, and that's what grows, unquote. So it is up to us. It is our ultimate freedom. This does work whether in a positive towards our happiness direction or in a negative direction toward our unhappiness. Out of the thousands of thoughts we think every day, both true and untrue, we may not have total control over, but you and I are responsible for where or what and where we choose our concentration or our directed attention or emphasis, or in other words, our focus is on. What do we choose to think about? It is a choice we are ultimately responsible for as it leads us to our course of action. We are 100% responsible. No one else can make these choices for us. God has asked us to always remember Him, and we have covenanted to do that. So we will teach you how to do that. Now, I would like to take time out to bring uh, five or six basic principles to create the foundation on some basic truths that we, to me, or should be self-evident. Uh, one, what is truth? My grandfather asked, does knowledge have to be the truth to be classified as knowledge? I can't believe the hour, many hours of thought that have gone into that 12-word question. Of what importance does truth have in our lives? Does knowledge have to be the truth to be classified as knowledge? An example of false truth or propaganda, I saw a YouTube video in which they were claiming that if you put sugar in your gas tank, that you'd get better gas mileage. <laughs> when in reality, it will likely seize up your engine and even destroy it. So it can be a very costly mistake. Is that knowledge? Principle number one. What we believe to be true determines our actions. Isn't that self-evident? I saw a YouTube video where a bear brought a fish from the river of water. It looked like a 10-pound salmon to me. A man ran up and started a fist fighting and trading kicks with the bear. Then he grabbed the fish and ran off with it. Obviously, the guy knew something I didn't and acted in a way that I wouldn't dream of. Were they shooting a video and a guy was dressed in a bear costume? After all, this was a YouTube video. Perhaps this is artificial intelligence. A true story, a little closer to home, a fellow worker was out walking around in the city when there went up a big cry of a lion herd. Then he saw this lion running straight at him. The lion stopped, put both of his big paws up on his shoulders, and licked his face. Without fear, he stroked the lion under his jaw and neck, and the lion started making a loud noise. The trainer came running up and warned my friend that the lion was growling. My friend said no, that he was just purring. The trainer said he had never heard this lion make that sound before. Another example, several times I got dressed in my work uniform and drove up to work for what I thought was my regular work, only to find that the parking lot was empty because the day was being celebrated as a holiday and I didn't get the message. So I acted on what I believed to be true, even though it proved not to be true. I didn't think we got that holiday off with eight hours of pay. Anyway, principle number two, results are based on what is true. Isn't this self-evident? We reap what we sow. We act, accept this all the time as a life, as part of life's realities and as a way of learning what the truth is. Science is experimenting with, re, with results to find the truth. So do we.
I love what Thomas Edison said when he asked about how he dealt with all the failures. He said, I didn't fail. I just found a thousand ways it didn't work. He kept at it because he had faith that one day some know how to apply the tr truth correctly to get the result he want, wanted. I hear that one light bulb called the Centennial light bulb was installed in 1901 and is still going. So what does that say about our light bulbs that uh, die out after a year or whatever? Evil Knievel trying to jump his motorcycle across the Snake River. Have a trajectory and speed are calculated. What about wind resistance and weight? He believed he could make it enough to risk his life for it, but he didn't make it. But he did use a parachute. <laughs> what about going 40 miles an hour over the posted speed limit? Because we believe there are no cops in the area and we are in a hurry to, to not miss a meeting. Or texting while driving for those who believe they can safely multitask. One young student who thought so found herself in prison for hitting a husband and wife on an early Saturday morning. The bicyclists were crossing in the sidewalk on the green in front of her as she ran the red light and killing one of them and putting in intensive care of the other. That was happened close to my home. Principle number three. Most things we believe are learned. Most of what we believe we are taught at home and may believe what they are learned or taught in school while their brains are still developing and, and are undifferentiated. Other things we learn are how or what it takes to be a good parent. How should one keep the Sabbath day holy? Indeed, which day of the week is the day to rest from our labors? What should we do to keep the Sabbath day holy? What are the benefits of keeping it holy? Answers to these questions are learned through experience. We are not born with these answers. Getting married, I learned very quickly what my proper role of a husband was. I wasn't born with the answers. It wasn't anything that I dreamed it was, or even how it worked in my parents' life from my perspective. This is true for all of life's deep questions. How to be happy? What is God like? The need for honesty, chastity, modesty, the need to love and be loved, the need for education, the need of uh, integrity, the need to raise a family, the need or how to be a good marriage partner we touched on. Other questions like how to set goals, how to plan, how to organize one's time, how to cope with today's economic pressures, how to earn a living or build an estate, how to run a computer or cell phone, how much insurance to have, etc. All answered through experience, through the things we learn or are taught. Problems arise when we have learned and accepted truths or untruths about ourselves or about others or about God or how we will gain salvation or even the importance of having truth as a foundation. As we study, be prepared to evaluate your beliefs. In finding truth, principle number four is the key for knowing truth. Then we can be sure and steadfast and use it as a principle of faith. So we're going to go into it a little bit more in depth. Principle number four, and by the power of the Holy Ghost, you may know the truth of all things. In Moroni 10.5, as we quoted earlier, learn to listen to the Holy Spirit. DNC 8 2. I will tell you in your mind and in your heart by the Holy Ghost. In John 14 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I said unto you. So, sounds wonderful to me. I often wondered how prophets could remember everything that happened to them accurately 
enough to get it recorded accurately. The Savior said that, quote, when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. That's in John 16, 13. So he will show unto you all the things what you should do. Listen through your heart and mind and not by your mind alone. I often think of the term resonance. Does it resonate with you? Am I on the same vibration? Am I feeling good feelings? Am, am I having a paradigm shift? Alma 32 gives us some ways to tell with perfect knowledge. First, and it enlarges my soul. We get those swelling motions inside that often manifests itself to me as tears that well up inside of me and the waterworks start coming out of my eyes. <laughs> Number two, enlightens my understanding. I get those aha moments, those paradigm shifts when the light goes on inside of my head and exposes the truth for what was dark before. Or three, it begins to be delicious to me. I love it. It's so great. Truth is delicious to me. When I feel all three, I pretty well know it is the truth when it is in harmony with the other sources of truth, the prophets and the scriptures. Note, if, we're, if you are not able to embrace the gift of the Holy Ghost because you have not been given that gift, you can always start by listening to the promptings from the light of Christ, which is a gift that is given to every person on the earth by God. If you practice listening to this Spirit, it will lead you to the greater gift and the greater light of the Holy Ghost. Isn't that marvelous? We often refer to this light of Christ that is given to every person born on this earth as your conscience or your higher self as opposed to your lower self or natural man. As you learn to listen to this light or Spirit, it will grow brighter and stronger and your happiness will grow. If you choose not to listen to it, it will grow dimmer and weaker sinning against this light continually to where you do not feel it at all and you feel dark inside and very unhappy. Any prompting to do good comes from this spirit. This is crucial to remember to your, for your happiness as you travel this path of life. Any prompting to do good comes from this spirit. Every day is an adventure with me, even a game I look forward to, as to what promptings I was going to notice or get that day whether to pick up a piece of trash and throwing it in the garbage as I was walking by, or helping my wife with the dishes, or pulling it to the side of the road and running back to see what was wrong with a boy crumpled up on the sidewalk. Sometimes I've received promptings that have obviously saved my life, even as to changing lanes on the freeway, or not to go through a green light, even, or pulling over and waiting for a minute or two. Turns out somebody was needing a ride home, or once even turning around and going a different way home. A powerful example to me of God's love um, and care where my life was spared is what I'm going to call the freeway example. Sharing a personal experience, one day I had a huge load of people. People were even standing in the aisles, so over 55 people. As I was driving down the freeway in a heavy greyhound-looking bus with a tag axle probably 65 to 70 miles an hour, a thought, came, a thought voice came to me to change lanes to the middle one. I looked ahead. I couldn't see any reason to change. No red lights. Traffic seemed to be flowing smoothly, so I stayed in the outside lane following this light Dotson 
light pickup with two teenage boys in their only seat. Again, the prompting came to move the middle lane. I looked ahead and couldn't see any reason to change lanes. No accident ahead that I could see. Again, the third time the prompting came, move to the middle lane. I had a battle with myself. If it was my brain or if I was really getting a prompting from the spirit, I had never had a prompting from the spirit before to change lanes that I was aware of. This just wasn't the subject matter I was used to. I finally said to myself, or maybe out loud, what the heck, it's not going to hurt me to move the middle lane. So I moved the middle lane. Shortly after that, I did. Seconds later, a big refrigerator box blew up over the Vidoc or bridge and landed in the outside lane where I had been. The boy driving the Datsun pickup panicked, hitting his brakes too hard. The pickup slid over and hit the guardrail and bounced back into the outside lane just as I passed by in the next lane over. I personally saw this happen in my side mirror as I drove on by. This prompting was not a loud audible voice nor a soft audible voice, but it was a prompting in my head that was outside of my thoughts and it spoke in my own voice or thought. So this was an educational to me this was educational to me, helped me excuse me, learn to hear and listen to this voice in my spirit. What a difference in outcome came from just listening to a prompting. I thank, I thank God over and over again for having patience with me and not giving up on me as I learned a powerful lesson on how to hear the promptings that come. I remember one that my sister uh, told me. She was washing a glass and the spirit told her to take her hand out of the glass. She ignored it and a piece of the glass broke at the top and sliced into her finger or uh, to the, the webbing in between two fingers. So there are three sources we often go to for truth. First, we usually go to ourselves and our experiences like that quote, that doesn't feel right to me or my experience has taught me that this is true or quote, if you would just do that my way, it would turn out the best when we want our spouse to do it, just do it our way. <laughs> The second source we often go to is others, especially those with whom we trust or, res or respect, or what pops first up first on a Google search or in a book that we're reading on the subject. Oh, honey, I just read here where you're the problem. You know you have this problem. Currently, the buzzword seems to be narcissism or gaslighting, or yesteryear it was codependency. Often do we spend time trying to solve someone else's problem. If we can just get someone else to accept the blame for my problem, then I don't have to do anything. Isn't that right? Isn't that great? So we just get to put our growth on hold or hold held hostage while we wait for them to solve our problem. The third source is God. Our last source is someone who knows everything. There is not anything he does not know. He shouldn't be our last source. He's our best and best, highest source. Why do I say that? It's because we don't have to worry about the source being the truth because God is all-knowing. He knows the end from the beginning. He is a source and author of all truth. Note I want to make here again. I am not the source of truth. God is. Also, he does not authorize me as a source of truth. I'm also a very lousy substitution for the Holy Ghost Spirit who knows what we individually need and in a way that we can hear it. 
Otherwise, we'd end up with the gospel according to me, which would be a very poor place for either of us to be in. So if you resonate with the truth, then thank God you are worthy to receive the confirmation and the enlightenment. And to this point, you're justified. If it is false, then you can quote me. God also cannot tell a lie or he would cease to be God. We do not need to question what he says, only if he is truly the author or source of it or not, or if I just made it up. He dispenses truth to the world through three trusted ways and sources, through the Holy Ghost and also also known as the Spirit of Truth, Holy Spirit, Spirit of God, Spirit of the Lord, Comforter, and sometimes just Spirit. All different names for the same personage, as the name implies. Through his revelations to his prophets, which comes by the power of the Holy Ghost, or Holy Spirit, also through scriptures, which is really recorded revelations of prophets given by the Holy Spirit, I have found that if all three of God's sources are in alignment, I don't need to worry. If the source is myself or others, then I pray about it and see if he has any enlightenment he wants to give me. Then tentatively try it on for size, realizing that I could be wrong, or perhaps the way I'm applying it is not working, or it could be a propaganda or a lie and not work at all. Principle number five. Each individual is responsible for his own growth. This is a very powerful principle to understand if you want to grow and increase your happiness and not get stuck. I was praying to God to help me understand about blaming others. My neighbor across the street volunteered to tell me about a talk that he had listened to and how much it had changed his life and his family and how he had copied the 19 points from it and even shared it with his colleagues at work and posted it on his door and how much of a difference it even made at work. I loved it and still love it and shared it with my wife and it has made a huge difference for me and us. This talk is also recorded as a YouTube video which you should be able to find. I believe it to be 47 minutes long to get the full version of it. I just did a search for Be 100% Responsible by Lynn G. Robbins. L-Y-N-N then uh, Robbins, G-R-O-B-B-I-N-S. It was a speech given at to BYU August 24th, 2017. This talk is a classic in my book and was life-altering for me. It helped me see and get out of a victim and villain mentality that causes many problems, especially in marriages. It is most definitely a big losing strategy or anti-happiness strategy in, a, in a, any relationship. Not that there are not true victims. An anti-happiness problem for some people is that they deny the existence of God using the excuse that they can't see Him or their religion or God just doesn't work for them. I believe this could very well be true because of their version of God isn't real or doesn't exist. It makes sense not to believe in fiction or an illusion or has no life because it isn't real. During Elijah's time, they worshipped dead gods of wood and stone. Look where it got them. It looks like I have time in this episode uh, to review this story for you who may not remember. It's found in uh, 1 Kings 18. Verse, I'm going to read from verse 17 through 40 because I think it all ties. Um, it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he said, I answered, I have not troubled Israel, 
but thou and thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Now therefore sent, send and gather to me all Israel into Mount Carmel, the Carmel, and the prophets of Baal, 450, and the prophets of the groves, 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. Now Jezebel, probably familiar with her, she was Ahab's wife. She's the one that uh, fell out of the window and died, according to the prophet prophesying. So, uh, so Ahab sent to all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together into Mount Carmel. And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long have ye halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord uh, be, be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. So, you know, he's saying, hey, we got, uh, you know, you you know, you either, how long are you going to be between two opinions? You either got to choose God or Baal. Then Elijah said unto the people, I, even I only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under and I'll dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put on no fire under and call ye on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God that answereth by fire let him be God and all the people answered and said it is well spoken and Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal choose you one bullock for yourselves and dress it first for ye are many, and call on the name of your gods, but put no fire under. And they took the bullock which was given them, and they dressed it, and called it on the name of Baal from morning even till noon, saying, Baal, hear us. But they were no, there was no voice, nor any that answered. And they, he leaped upon the altar which was made. And it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he is a god. Either he is talking, or he is pursuing, or he is in a journey, or preadventure he sleepeth, and must be awakened. And they cried aloud, and cut themselves after this manner with knives and lancets, till the blood gushed out upon them. And it came to pass when midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, that there was neither voice, nor any an to answer, nor any that regarded. And Elijah said unto the people, Come near unto me, and all the people came near unto him. And he said, and he pre repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar, and great as would contain two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it with second time. And they did it the second time. He said, Do it the third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran around about the altar and he filled the, tr the trench also with water. So that's at least 12 barrels of water. It came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God of Israel, and that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, 
hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and leaked, licked up the water that was in the trench, and so they cleaned the whole thing area. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, he is the God. The Lord, he is the God. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let not one of them escape. And they took them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kish, Kishon and slew them there. So did them a lot of good, didn't it?